to Visceral Reflections. Today is All Saints Sunday, uh, the first Sunday after All Saints Day, which is November 1st, uh, the um, day after Halloween, and All Hallows Eve. And um, um, today is a, uh, being All Saints Day, this is a, a time when we want to um, celebrate the people of God and um, you know the love of the Father is always a great song for that and you know we we look at the company of heaven we look at the heritage of God we look at the church today we look at all those who are um, who have been called and those who will be called and um, as the kingdom of God continues to to grow and, you know, we pick up the torch and uh, we carry it across time until we go home. And um, but today is just a day to to reflect on on the um, uh, the people of God in the church and the uh, All Saints Feast. And um, anyhow, just wanted to. Um, talk about that, and that seems re- really right in line with um, the conversation that we're going to have today. And you know, we've been doing our a affection for the Bible, and you know, picking up the topic of identity. And so uh, today, I want to talk about the posture of our heart, and to do that. Um, let us pray first and bow your head with me most merciful God uh, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought word and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone we have not loved you with our whole heart and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves Lord we're truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your son Jesus Christ have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. You know, the, the topic, uh, the posture of your heart is, um, it's one that's really, uh, 
critical in the life of the Christian. And I don't want to make light of it. And I also don't want to make it heavier than it is. But I do think it is something last time around. We talked about the heart check. We talked about folks who name the name of Christ, um, but may not spend eternity with us. People that we go to church with, people that we share pews with, people in our small groups, uh, perhaps people that have um, been teachers even. So, you know, that's, that's a that's a harsh reality. And, uh, you know, so when I talk about the posture of a heart, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about our hearts, that we love the Lord with all our hearts and a willing mind. And so when we talk about the throne of our heart, who is on the throne? Uh, you know, we can't live life double-minded. We can't... Um, live with a divided heart. We can't have one foot in the pool and one foot on the deck, one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. Uh, so we, we have to, you know, make some decisions about what really, what's our resolve to walk with God? You know, this falls in under the category of surrender. Uh, but just wanted to kind of take a look at some subtle things that we might be missing that will help us on our faith journey towards the kingdom. And, you know, as I shared before, you know, we had the, the people in Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, um, but he says, I never knew you. Uh, we had the people in Matthew 25 in the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Um, and there's there there's so many others in Luke seventeen, the um, the Pharisee and the tax collector, you know, praying, Lord, thank God, I'm not like that person. Uh, really, uh, you could see in that passage in Luke seventeen that he puts a lot of faith in himself and what he's done, and mentions himself a lot in the prayer compares himself not to God and his holy standard, but to the tax collector, you know, and that's an easy thing to do. Um, and we probably do it in subtle ways. So that's what I want to try and grow to be for us to grow, to be sensitive to, you know, we really want to get to a place where we have a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude you know, and, you know, one story that comes to mind um, in, I think, Luke sixteen seventeen, the story of the ten lepers. And think about this for a minute. Think about your Christian friends. And you and your Christian friends, um, or me and my Christian friends, were the ten lepers. And, you know, it, it's, um, Jesus like shines a light on something. Um, when they say, um, what is the depth of faith and what is our response to faith? And how do we view God? Do we have reverence for God 
or is God sort of a, you know, a sort of cosmic concierge to, to get us things? So, you know, in that passage, you had um, the 10 lepers who were um, willing to ask for healing. They had um, enough faith to ask, but nine of the 10, once they got their healing, went on their way to live life on their own terms. Only one of them turned back to say thank you. And the scripture there in Luke 17, it, it says that that he bowed, that he gave thanks, and he bowed. He fell on his face. Uh, verse 16, he fell on his face to give thanks. And, you know, that just demonstrates the posture of his heart was one of gratitude, one of thankfulness, uh, one of reverence for the Lord Jesus. And... You know, that's something that we need to look at because from the outside, you might have seen that group and you would have thought, oh, well, there's a group of Christians. But we can't see into the hearts of everybody. And we can't see into the hearts of anybody. Um, You know, and Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you know, um, no one can know a man except the spirit of that man no one knows our thoughts no one knows what's going on inside of us no one knows our cigarette thoughts our cigarette desires the things that we that we think if we have a divided heart it's uh, you're probably easy to hide unless someone knows you well enough to call you out on it and do what they call you out on it do they even care um but yeah when we look at the lepers that is one thing that is really um, interesting to take a look at that because um, only one in the ten had the posture of his heart in a um, in a thankful, God honoring way. And so I want to uh, take a look at that. Um, you know, and those were, those were probably his friends, and he didn't know. And I want to I want to come back to that story a little bit in a little bit, but. Um, you know, let's keep going. I uh, think about Zacchaeus and his response to the to the gospel. And what do the religious folks say? Um, he's he's gone to to dine with a sinner. Uh, you know, a very uh, self righteous sort of statement. Um, and, and let's be honest, in church culture today, we probably would not say that um, unless something really extreme or egregious was going on. But um, when you look at Zacchaeus, you have to figure, uh, here's a man who was despised, uh, somewhat of an outcast, um, you know, sort of disregarded. People looked at him with contempt. No one was excited to see him. They largely tolerated him. And... <laughs> Frankly, it sounds like a Christian to me. Um, but that, um, when Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to dine at your house. His response was one of excitement. It was one of gratitude. It was one of repentance. As he says, Lord, if I've stolen from anyone, I will 
um, give back half of everything I own and own and um, make sure that um, I have to go look that up again. I don't know if he said it was half uh, half everything owns. You know, if anyone if he owed anyone, he would give them double. I think that's what the text says there in I think Luke eighteen nineteen Luke nineteen. Um, but let's let's take a look at those two uh, responses because there's a genuineness to the, our response to God and whether or not we are going to walk with him in a manner worthy of the calling, if we are going to walk with him um, regardless of what anyone thinks. Uh, you know, I was um, we were doing a workshop this weekend and um, at the C.S. Lewis Institute and one of the fellows, uh, you know, had a question. It's like, how do you, how do you engage culture? And, you know, and talking about, you know, all of the, uh, politics that are going on, all of the issues of, um, identity in regards to gender and all of the, uh, well, you, you name it. There's so many topics right now that divide us and, uh, you know, the bottom line, you know, and, you know, so I kind of sat back in my chair and thought about it. I said, John 15 came to mind. And I said, you know, at some point, we got to choose God over all of these other temporary topics and live a new eternity in it. Frankly, we got to be content to be hated. And that is is not a nice thing. It's a hard thing. But there in John 15, I think around verse 17, 18, Jesus says, you know, if people hate you for my name's sake, remember they hated me first. And so um, I, I don't think that we serve anyone well when we get involved in those skirmishes on all these temporary topics uh, with people who are lost, with people who are desperate to find meaning in their lives, people who are desperate to find identity. Uh, we need to be sharing the gospel with them and letting them know what their true identity is. Because the truth is, is that our true identity is eternal. It's in Christ. It comes, it's fully manifested as we surrender to God. And then we become largely our true selves. Um, you know, it's, it's really, uh, um, it's counterintuitive to the way we think. Because everybody in the world is trying to make a name for themselves. But Christian, you have to hear this. The Lord has a name for you. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. He calls you my beloved. And we need to live into that. And we need to recognize that. And the more that we surrender, the more that Christ is formed in us. And the, the more that we can live into who God called us to be. And so that's what I mean when I talk about the posture of our heart. Where are we at in gratitude? Where are we at in surrender? And, you know, it, we, we've we been talking about heart checks and what does that mean? And, you know, one of the things is, you know, can we have a content heart? You know, the Lord says, blessed are the poor and theirs is the kingdom of God. Are we okay with that? You know, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 says, um, you know, it's funny, people always look at Philippians 4 and they always think, you know, 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. The most misquoted out of context verse you're ever going to find. I've seen several people that have that tattooed and uh, completely clueless on the meaning of that. Because in the context, Paul's saying, I've learned to be content with much. I've learned to be content with poverty, with nothing. And that's the question we ask ourselves. Can we be content with riches? Can we, or can we be content to have nothing? And frankly, I think it's easier to be content with nothing because that's where hope lives. There's not the temptation to misplace our hope in money when you have a lot of money. But when you have riches, it's very easy to grow a divided heart because, you know, you want stuff and you, you seek to acquire stuff. And so when we talk about who sits on the throne of our heart, is it Christ or the devil? And the devil, really? Well, uh, 2 Corinthians 6.15, you know, largely, you know, to look at that verse, you can't live life holding hands with the devil and God at the same time. And you have to find your resolve to choose to walk with God. So, you know, in 2 Corinthians 6, you know, we are told um, that Christ has nothing in common with the evil that we bring into our lives. And so as a child of God, again, another heart check. Are we going to to honor God or are we going to um, have a little bit of God, a little bit of church, a little bit of religion? Um, going to have just a little bit, enough to make us feel okay about what we're doing, but not enough to save us. That's something for us to ponder, something to us to ask ourselves. In your quiet moment, when this is done, or when we pray at the end, ask yourself, who sits on the throne of my heart? What things am I allowing in that put distance between me and God? What things am I allowing in that make me double-minded as we read in James chapter 4? What a little bit of compromise is taking root in me that is subtly dulling my conscience Dulling my conviction. Misleading me into not only a God-honoring or God-dishonoring life, but um, a life with eternal ramifications. Those are some things that we need to think about. You know, when, when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, there was some a lot of stuff in there that seemed, well, unreasonable. When he says, woe to you who are rich, for you're receiving your comfort in full. Or, woe to you who are well fed, for you shall be hungry. Or, woe to you laugh now, and you shall mourn and weep. When those things, when we, when we hear those things... 
that's countercultural. That's counter um, intuitive. It's counter to the way we plan our life, especially in America, where we pursue the American dream and um, you know, we have a, a, a consumer based culture. So we're always looking to acquire stuff and, um, and that makes it hard for us. So that's why I said a few minutes ago that it's easier to have hope when you have nothing. It's easier to be content when you have nothing to be content with riches. That that's a difficult thing because uh, those things can shape your heart in a negative way. Or what about when Jesus says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you? I mean, no one wants to be spoken of poorly, but, um, you know, it's, it can be, it should be a warning when everybody likes you. And not that we seek to make enemies, but Christ in us uh, is opposed to the world. So we're naturally, as we encounter folks, we're going to be at odds with them if we are representing Christ in the world. You know, is it easy to Bless those who curse you or pray for those who mistreat you or pray for our enemies. I I shared last time, I can tell you firsthand, it's a difficult thing. But you, you gotta, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the ability, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to find your resolve to do it. And this is a place, I don't know how else to say this, this is a place where double-mindedness gets exposed because this is a place where our pride takes a beating. And, you know, when we talk about double-mindedness, it's often the... the contest between pride and humility. So how do you pray for someone who curses you or mistreats you how do you turn the other cheek how do you get to a place of when someone demands something you you give them more than they demanded they ask you to go a mile you go two miles they ask you for your cloak and you give them your tunic also or your coat and your shirt um you know are we able to give without expecting not only do we not charge interest but we don't expect to be paid back just understanding that the Lord has placed in my hand and we give whatever he's placed in our hand you know David told us that in his prayer in Second Chronicles or First Chronicles 29 because all money belongs to God Psalm 24 1 everything in the world belongs to God including you and me So these are all hard checks that we want to be aware of. Now, there's one other thing I want to touch on. 
a really good heart check is when we look at who is closest to us. Now, going back to the story of the, of the 10 lepers, you know, 10 guys that were, they're probably pretty tight. You know, they all share the same disease. They probably from the same hometown or village. They, whatever it was, they had this shared experience. And so the, so the outside observer, they probably all look the same. But we know from Matthew 7 that wide is the road that leads to hell and narrow is the way that leads to life. And so, you know, statistically, um, you know, obviously we, we know from Jesus not everyone's going to make it. But uh, let's just think about our Christian circles. And in that story, nine of the ten again, had enough faith to pray, but then walked off. The posture of their heart was self-centered. It wasn't God-centered. There was no sense of humility, no sense of thankfulness, no sense of gratitude. Only one of the 10 did it. So that's something to, to consider. And I'm not saying, you know, to... I'm not saying to start breaking off your friendships. But what I am saying is, start to ask yourself and your friends some hard questions and find out where they're at because if you love them you love your friends I, I don't have any friends I don't love and I want them to be there you know and so in our quiet moments we can talk to God about them and you know pray about how we can be an encouragement pray about how we can foster growth Pray about how we can have the courage to confront or convict, you know, convict somebody on these things. You know, and I, I can think of examples of, um, you know, having friends that have a lust for gossip. Or uh, having friends who always need you know the, the new gadget uh, the new iPhone you know the new whatever you know fill in the blank um, just just a, a sign of a discontent heart and um, you know I, you know I'm not saying we can't have nice things but hey let's let's be practical with with the resources that the Lord has put in our in our hands. The Lord does want to give us good gifts. However, there's a difference between, you know, you know, praying over these. I mean, I'm praying over a few things right now of um, just want some clarity. And I just want to know that the Lord is blessing me with things that I seek to acquire. And um, frankly, I, I don't have any clarity on it, um, which to me tells me to you know, step back from it. Um, but I'm going to ask again and see what happens. Um, do we give freely? That's a good question on the posture of our heart. And um, 
I'm not talking about giving a dollar to, to the homeless person on the corner or anything like that. I'm not talking about, you know, writing a check for 50 bucks because it's Thanksgiving and you're going to give to the mission because it's customary and that's what you do. I, I, what I'm talking about is can we give to in a in a way that can make us nervous make us risky and make it risky to take a step of faith to give in a way that you have to rely on God and if God doesn't come through for you you could be in trouble but you believe, you know there's a need, and you know that God is gonna has provided something to you, and you have the opportunity to give. Uh, you know, I had, actually, it's funny. I just I had that conversation earlier this evening, at Bible study, and um, you know, it was just uh, someone has an opportunity to um, to provide to somebody who lost their family. A very very heart wrenching story. Um, but then there was the struggle of should should I do this? Should we do this? And um, you know those are certainly growth moments. So we don't poo poo those, uh, but we encourage people to step into faith and to do uh, what God might be calling us to do. One other thing I, I want to talk about is embrace, when we embrace our identity and we get to this place, um, we can grow our faith in a way that can be a blessing to others. And let me explain what I, I mean to you by that. In Mark chapter 2, there's a story of the paralytic and four men are carrying this paralytic around and they want Jesus to heal him. And uh, I think there was four carrying him, but it, it from the Texas, I think it, it sounds like there was a crowd that was wanting this to happen. And we don't get a lot of detail there, but the thing I want to draw attention to is Jesus so the, the text says, Jesus, seeing their faith, said, I'm going to heal this person because I see their faith. And so the benefactor was the person who needed healing. Um, but the Lord Jesus says, I'm doing it because of their faith, not because of his faith. And I think that's an important important for us to understand. Let me personalize it. Tom, I know you're praying for this. And because you're my child, and because I love you, I'm going to honor your prayer for this other person who doesn't know me. Or who used to walk with me, but then ran away. Abandoned me. But Tom, because... I love you and because you're my child and I know this will make you happy and it'll make your heart glad. I'm going to do this. The reason I share that is uh, two things. 
One, I want us to think about our prayer life. I want us to think about the blessings that await others when we're consistent in our prayer, when we lift people up, when we ask God to bless them, that we can intercede for folks, for our friends, for those we love, and ask God to provide for them, to heal them, to bring them into his kingdom, to whatever it might be. Um, had the opportunity to, to pray earlier today for a woman I don't know, a woman that I'll probably never meet, but uh, for her to have a, a safe pregnancy, uh, give birth, uh, which should be going on at this very hour, and that the child would be healthy and that the child would learn to walk with God from the time the child can walk. And I think God will honor those prayers as speaking of um, the wife of, a, of another believer. It's a, a believer and an unbeliever who are married. Um, but whatever the circumstances are, I think it's important to, to, in our relationship with God, to recognize that the Lord, because he wants to uh, make the hearts glad of his children, that he will honor those prayers. So you can, you can read about that in Mark chapter 2. Uh, there's a similar story in Mark chapter 7 about the, the, prayer, the faith of others that brought blessings um, to a third party. Now let's think about that from the other direction. Who's in your inner circle that knows God, that walks with God, that cares for you and consistently intercedes for you and talks to God about you? And you have the opportunity or the blessing really to be the benefactor of their faithfulness. I think that's important to know because if you don't have those people in your life, then my encouragement to you would be to get those people in your life. And, you know, I have a... Um, a ongoing conversation with somebody right now um, about this very topic because a strong believer who is so heavily invested in uh, friendships that don't honor God that that now he's out on an island and making bad choices. You know, um, the scripture says uh, bad company corrupts good morals. And, um, you know, I think it happens every day um, because I, I think we take for granted, uh, and this is a pride issue, 
uh, what we can do when we uh, don't honor God. I mean, we we can. Uh, I read somewhere that um, Jesus spent time with sinners, but he didn't sin with them. Or he sat with them, but he didn't sin with them. And I think something can be learned from that. We want to be light in the darkness. Um, but when I, our light starts to go out, we need to, need to be mindful of those things because our conscience can get dulled. Our conscience get dulled to sin. We can rationalize sin very easily. Our our minds are corrupted by sin. Martin Luther called the reason the great whore um, because anything can be justified. And then you get you get down this road where your conscience is dull. And I do believe there is a place you can get to where you where you can't come back from it. And I don't say that lightly. It's a hard thing to say. And I, I wish I was wrong, but I, I read passages in Romans and Hebrews and we need to guard our steps. So think about your inner circle. Think about who prays for you and who's holding you up and who can be a blessing to you. And then also think about those that you are faithful to pray for and faithful to pour into. And, you know, there's there's nothing more encouraging than to know you've been praying for something and then have a friend call you or come see you and just super excited that they had an answered prayer and God just totally came through um, and you shared in that and, and that can be an encouragement to your heart because God looked at you and said you're, you're my son, you're my daughter and because you love this person, you love your friend, I'm going to honor this prayer and I'm doing it for you not necessarily for them, but I'm doing it for you. So don't forget to get encouraged by that. We like to share in the in the um, the joy uh, that our friends receive, but uh, just between you and God, just make sure you thank Him for that. So these are all topics of talking about the posture of our heart and being grateful being thankful, especially now we're in the season of Thanksgiving. We head towards Advent and the celebration of Christmas. Have a content heart. To be content where, where, where God has you. To not have a divided heart, as we read in Psalm 86 but to find our resolve that we're going to set aside anything that doesn't honor God. We're going to walk in a manner worthy of his calling, Ephesians 4.1. And we're going to use his word to light our way, Psalm 119, verse 105. We're not going to hold hands with the devil, no matter how cool this person is or how beautiful she is or, or um, you know, how much he makes you laugh or whatever. 2 Corinthians 6.15 that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers 
Darkness and light can't occupy the same space, and Satan and Jesus have nothing in common. And to not be double-minded. That we're going to humble ourselves. Because God opposes the proud. We're going to resist the devil. So that he flees. And with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're going to seek to honor God. All these things are the posture of our heart. It's part of our journey. So I'm going to wrap this here. um, Because... um, In our uh, next episode in in this series about uh, the Bible and our identity. Uh, We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about the the love of God in daily life. And what is our, what is the love that God pours out? And what is our response? And, um... So, um, expect to have that out, um, in the coming week and, and that's where we're at. So, um, let's just take a little bit time here to, to reflect on this, to take inventory of our heart and then see what the Holy Spirit would have. would convict you about in regards to things that need to be cleaned up, things that need repentance, things where we're doing good, but we can do better, things that we do good, but we're inconsistent, and things that were um, areas we're doing well and we want to use to encourage others. So let's just pray for that rushing wind to come in to our hearts and minds and clean house and continue to grow up in the Lord. Father God, we thank you and we praise you and we're grateful. We thank you for your word and your spirit. We thank you for calling us, Lord, and just the idea that there was a time outside of time when you imagined us, then created us, then called us, then justified us, sanctified us, and glorified us. Lord, it's just very humbling, and we thank you. We thank you, and we praise you, and we're grateful. And it blows me away to look at this world, to look at the universe, to look at all the incredible things 
that you created in the midst of everything you thought to create myself, you thought to create those I love, you thought to create my family and my friends. Lord, I just, we praise you. We thank you and we praise you. May we all walk in a manner worthy of your calling. May the peace of Christ rule in our heart. May we have clarity of thought as we step into tough decisions. May we be able to flee temptation, to run away from temptation, as the scripture says. May we harness the courage and by the power of your spirit, resist the devil and he'll flee. Help us to keep growing up. Growing up to independence, growing up in trust, growing up in faith, and growing up in hope. And more than anything, grow up in love. Thank you, and we praise you, and we're grateful. And Lord, now we just want to sit back and let the words of this song just penetrate our hearts. We ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Trials come to test 